Okay, well, I am here with Kaylee Lafko, teacher, co-founder of EduCalm, uh, co-host of the Balanced Educator podcast. Kaylee, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Luke. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. I've been listening to a lot of your stuff. It's really great. And I guess I kind of wanted to start at the foundation of all of it, which is mindfulness. And we'll kind of circle back to, but you do a great job in the first video of the Educom program, giving your definition of what mindfulness is. So for people listening, how would you define mindfulness? Kind of a big idea, but how would you define that? Yeah, so we like to define it as mindfulness is the practice of paying attention to the present moment on purpose with <laughs> openness and curiosity. Mm. So when we're practicing mindfulness, it's really a skill that we're developing that, you know, just like any skill we learn, whether that's reading, whether that's math, you know, you sit and you formally have a practice to learn this skill. And then that's a skill that you can take with you into your life. So with mindfulness, it's kind of this two parts. Number one, we actually sit and practice how do we pay attention to the present moment on purpose? Like what's really happening right now? Mm -hmm. So with that practice, generally we're kind of learning to recognize the sensations in our body or the sounds around us or the thoughts that we're thinking in this present moment. And we learn to just be open and observe our experience. Um, and as we do that, we learn all sorts of really amazing skills that we can bring with us into our lives, which allow us to move through life with resilience, focus, um, uh, self-awareness, self-regulation, all these things that are great to be able to do as adults and also just phenomenal for students to be able to do in the classroom. It really makes their job as learners easier and it makes our job as teachers easier because everyone's just focused and ready to learn. It's great. <laughs> for sure. And that's, I think, what kind of initially brought me to, to all the things that you're doing. I'm a proponent of mindfulness practice in my own life. So then incorporating that in the classroom makes sense. But what brought you personally initially to a mindfulness practice? Yeah. So as a lot of new teachers, I started out the profession, super gung-ho, loved what I was doing. I just wanted to change the world. And I started burning out really quick because I really um, hadn't yet discovered how to find that balance between work and life, but also just um, a way to manage my emotions and my feelings and the overwhelm I was feeling as a new teacher throughout my day. Um, so I was dealing with a lot of stress um, and recognized, you know, I love this career of teaching, but if I don't do something to learn how to manage this stress and emotions that I'm feeling, um, I'm not going to last long. And that just wasn't okay for me. I love teaching. Mm -hmm. I want to stay in it. So I started kind of trying out different techniques to manage the stress, practiced yoga, really liked that. But the part of yoga that I liked the most was actually the mindfulness aspect where we're paying attention to how we're feeling and noticing our reactivity to certain situations. And I loved that piece. So I got my yoga teacher training and really got into mindfulness practice. So just this daily practice where I sit in silence and listen to a guided teacher that guides me through the mindfulness practice. And I started with like 
two minutes because that's all I felt that I could fit in my day. And then I recognized, wow, this is really helping me. Like I feel good after this. Um, It's really helping me to have smoother days, to be more focused, um, to manage my emotions, my stress. So I started building on that practice, building on it, building on it. And then as we do a lot in education, where we learn a life skill and we're like, why didn't I learn this in school? Um, You know, like this would be, have been so useful to me as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult um, and in my career. So, you know, next step was how do I start teaching this to my students? Um, So at the time I was teaching in middle school. And uh, when I first started out, I made tons of mistakes. Um, I learned what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) in just that practice of trying it out and seeing what worked. Mm. Um, And over time, I kind of developed this structure that I was really starting to see results for my students. Mm. And it's funny, the structure was to keep it really simple. (laughs) It was (laughs) instead of to try to do these long mindfulness exercises or go in depth with these lessons, it was just to practice mindfulness for two to five minutes a day And think of it as a skill that we're building on each day. So it wasn't like a way to fix all the problems in my classroom in the next two minutes. It was a way to build skills that allowed a lot of problems to resolve themselves throughout the school year. And for me to be able to see huge transformations in my students throughout the school year. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how it started for me. And then the next step was I really started making this a routine and I started having my colleagues be like, what's going on? What's your magic? (laughs) Like, why is it so great in your classroom? Why are your students so calm? Why, why are they so great? And I was like, oh, easy. Just do five minutes of mindfulness. And of course, most teachers were like, what's that? Um, I don't (laughs) feel comfortable doing that myself. And so then I recognized that it would be great to have a tool that would allow teachers to do this in their classroom without having to be the expert first. Cause I was like obsessed with mindfulness. You know, I did my training. I read all about it. I listened to all the podcasts. I practiced for hours a day. Cause I was just like, I wanted to soak it all in. It was so interesting <laughs> yeah. to me. And I have a biology background. So like the biology and psychology of this practice was just so interesting to me. So um, I partnered with my best friend and colleague and we decided to make a, program that makes it really easy for teachers to just bring this into their classroom and have it part of the routine so they can learn with their students. So that's how we uh, started Educalm. For sure. And and I do think uh, Educalm is something that anybody could implement without any previous background in any mindfulness practice. So, so I think that's great. And we'll talk more about that. But how did you kind of get some of that buy-in from the other teachers? But what was your students' initial reaction as well? Like the first time you're like, hey, we're going to dedicate some time to being mindful. Was there any pushback or just tentativeness? You know what? It's so funny. That's one of the first questions that teachers ask. Like, well, will kids actually like this? And it's really funny because they they do. Kids yeah. latch on to this really quickly at all ages. So the Educom program is for kindergarten all the way to grade 12. I've personally taught mindfulness in grade six all the way till grade 12. And in every grade, like most of the kids dive right in. Um, And then of course, just like anything you do in the classroom, you're going to have a couple kids that are like too cool for school. And they're like, "Mm, I don't know about this. And it takes them a while to warm up to it. But the approach that I always take in how I talk about mindfulness and 
really that's kind of led me to shift how I approach anything I teach in the classroom, which is to think like, how do I present this in a way that makes the students understand how it's important for them? So like, this isn't about me. I'm not doing this mindfulness practice with you because because it's like for my own self gain, I want to give you as a student tools that are going to help you to manage your mental health, to resolve conflicts with friends, to just have the chance to have quiet in your day, five minutes where you don't have to think, you don't have to do school, you don't have to do chores, you don't have to, um, you know, you just get to do nothing for five minutes every day. And that's usually a good way to explain it. So they're like, okay, yeah, I'm okay with doing nothing for five minutes. That's great. Um, So yeah, if you're thinking about it in the sense of like, how is this going to be important to your students at the age that they're at? So of course, we're going to explain it different to a kindergarten student, then we would explain it to a grade 12 student, um, but always coming at it from the angle of how it can help them in their real life. Um, So yeah. And these days also with like mental health is so front and center, um, at least in kind of where I teach, we talk about mental health a lot. So as soon as you kind of use that word with students, this is something that we do for our mental health. They're like, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, they're just right right on board. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think students, that's more open. It's more welcomed, especially the current generation. There's less Hmm. stigma around those things. So I found that as well. Like my students want to talk about those things. And have you found that, that now students come in and they're kind of excited about it? Like they expect to do that thing first before they get on to the academic side of things? Absolutely. And um, that's another way that I presented is like, this is our warm up up for learning. So we're getting our brain and our body ready for calm and focused learning. Um, And so my students really see it. I teach in high school um, now. So my students really see it as this opportunity that they get to come into class and just have five minutes of calm where they're not looking at their phones. They're not having to like socialize. They're not having to dive right into math. Um, they have five minutes where they can just do nothing and let their brain settle. And I get so much feedback from my students about how much they appreciate that time. Um, cause we just live in a society that's so rushed and especially, you know, high school students, they, they often have a lot of stuff on their plates, you know, they're, they have school, they have expectations from teachers, from parents, from friends, like there's a lot going on in their head when they're coming into our classrooms. So when we can give them the chance to sort of settle that, organize that, um, deal with their own emotions before we jump into the academics, we can actually move so much faster through academics, um, which is really interesting because it's kind of like this mind flip for teachers. Like, wait, I'm devoting five minutes of my 60 minute period with my students towards mindfulness. Uh, What a waste of time. But actually, and all of the teachers that we surveyed that use our program, they all said that they gain both instructional time and prep time back when they use the mindfulness uh, program that we offer um, because then students are calm, they're focused, and they're ready to learn. So I think of it as like a slingshot. We're like pulling back a bit, you know, we're pulling our students back for that five minutes before the start of our period, but then they're ready, they're primed. And once we do start the instruction, it's like, we can go right ahead. Um, And of course, as they're practicing mindfulness daily, they're learning 
all sorts of skills that help them to be better learners and better performers, to be able to perform better on tests, on other evaluations, presentations. They have skills to manage their, their stress, their anxiety, their nervousness, their worry, all those emotions. Excitement, you know, they're excited for something. It's hard to focus. They have skills and, and tools and strategies that they've learned from practicing mindfulness to be able to refocus and be present in this moment on purpose while they're learning. Yeah, that's perfect. I love the analogy of the slingshot. I think that's right on. And I, I found that as well with any kind of social emotional learning, teachers are sometimes tentative because there is the pressure to put so much into the amount of time we have allotted. But, but I found that as well. It, it goes much more smoothly. Students are more engaged. You really do save time. And have you found, for me, I found that it's really strengthened my relationship with my students. Have you found the same? Big time. Um, I find that by doing this daily mindfulness practice, um, students then recognize your classroom as a safe space. They recognize that your classroom is a, a place where they can relax, where they can kind of be themselves. Um, and it brings up a lot of conversation about how are we doing today? How are we feeling? How are, where are our emotions at? It creates this like opportunity, this space for us to have open conversations um, and from the this space of non-reactivity. Because as the teacher, we're also really busy, obviously. <laughs> We've got a lot on our plates, a lot of thoughts going on. Um, and taking that five minutes with our students to practice mindfulness with our students slows us down and allows us to be more present with our students. And they feel that. Um, and so they feel more comfortable coming to us if they have problems, talking one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and we're, we're creating a trauma-sensitive space in our classroom by doing this practice. So when students feel safe, their brain and their body are in a space where they're also ready to learn. So that connection is so important. And this is just kind of like a springboard towards creating that connection. And is that something that you share with your students? Like, you know, always keeping a professional relationship, but talking about like, Hey, when I'm stressed, these are things that I do, or these things bother me. So this mindfulness practice is important. Tell me, get through that. Absolutely. I really like to model, um, the reality of like what my thought process is. Um, so that'll oftentimes come up during stressful moments this past year with COVID, we had a lot of conversations of, I would talk about, you know, okay, so this is what I'm thinking about. Um, this is how my thoughts are affecting how I feel in my body. Mm -hmm. This is how those feelings, those emotions are affecting my actions. Mm -hmm. And as I've recognized that this is affecting how I'm performing, here are some strategies that I like to implement. Um, so that can be, you know, just on a day where I'm feeling off or where I recognize there's kind of like a heaviness in the energy in the classroom. Like everyone's kind of in a weird mood. Um, <laughs> so we'll have those chats, um, or, you know, before um, presentations or tests, for example, I always start with a mindfulness practice and explain very specifically or explicitly, um, you know, here is something that we can do to prepare our mind and body for this evaluation. Um, here's why it works, biologically speaking, you know, when we are lowering our stress response, we are allowing our brain to function at its best. So this breathing strategy that we're doing is allowing our body to get out of the fight and flight 
flight state and back into the rest and restore state where our everything's working well together and we're performing at our best. Um, but another thing that I really specifically do is kind of our routine in the classroom is um, students come in, they sit down, um, we start straight off with the mindfulness practice. So I just have, you know, I have Educom classroom open up on my computer. It's up on the smart board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, okay, everyone put away your phones, remove all distractions. Let's get our brains ready for calm and focused learning. I kind of have this like script <laughs> that I say every time sure. it's kind of the cue yeah. of like, okay, we're getting started, put everything away. Um, then I start the audio, we listen together. And then once the audio is done, so the audio takes five minutes. Once it's done, I'll do kind of a sharing session with my students. Sometimes it'll take two minutes. You know, people don't have much to say today. Sometimes it'll take 10 minutes because there was a lot on their minds. But I find that by taking the time to have a discussion after the practice, I can see and gauge where my students are at emotionally, what's on their mind. Um, And that helps me to teach better because if they're, I want to start my math lesson and they're all stressed about the new COVID restrictions and that's all they can think about. Well, we're going to get nowhere with math if we don't address that first. Um, So my kind of go-to question after the mindfulness practice is just, what did you notice today? Hmm. Very open. So it might be, oh, I noticed that it was really hard for me to focus. I noticed that I was really fidgety today. I noticed that I'm really tired today. I noticed that um, I feel so much more calm after we did that practice. And there's no right and wrong answer. Mm -hmm. I just say, thank you for sharing. And then sometimes someone will say something that I'm like, okay, I can springboard off of this. And we'll chat a little bit about like, if someone will say, I was feeling really stressed this morning. And now after doing this practice, I'm feeling a lot more calm. If we have time for it, I might be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. This is why mindfulness helps to calm our body. And I'll give a quick little chat about the biology of it because it interests me. <laughs> um, so it just having that discussion just allows you to, like you said, make those connections, um, show our students that we're here for them as humans first and then as learners next. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I've started the class that way. And my lesson plan changed because there was something on our mind and it was so much richer after having listened to what they had to say. Um, so yeah, it's, that's kind of my routine, mindfulness discussion, and then we get into the academics. Very good. And you hit on something that You've brought up many times on the podcast, repetition and routine. I've heard that <laughs> said a couple of times. <laughs> Josiane would be so happy to hear you say that. Mike. <laughs> <There> you <go>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with that, what is the importance of that, of it, of making it a regular practice? Yeah. So when we're learning something new, we're actually restructuring our brain. We're asking our brain to perform a task Um, and the more that we do it, the stronger that wiring of our brain to be able to perform that task gets. So in neurology, they often use the same, the neurons that fire together, wire together. So our brain is very efficient. And as soon as it sees, oh, you know what? I'm not using this connection anymore. Then it breaks it. It uses that in a new space. So our brain is reflective of whatever we practice. So anything that we do repetitively, our brain wires for that. So when we're wanting to teach 
any new skill to our students, if we want that to become a strong skill, we have to repeat it over and over because it's telling the brain, this is important. Strengthen this connection. Oh, we're doing it again. Make it a little stronger. Oh, we're doing it again. Kate, let's make this a super highway. Mm-hmm. So that's really what we want to do when we're practicing mindfulness. And that's why we advocate for doing short practices daily rather than longer practices here and there. So making it a part of a routine, not only creates the routine in our classroom that makes it run smoother. So we're doing a lot less um, classroom management because they know what what the expectations are. They know what's coming. They're prepped for it. Um, They feel safe knowing that when they come into the classroom, they know what they're starting with. It removes that anxiety of like, what's going to happen in class today? They know what they're starting with. So when we make the routine, it makes our job easier to transition into these things. And then that repetition allows our students to wire their brain for calm, focus, self-regulation, all the things that allow them to be good learners and, you know, self-aware, great humans in life. (laughs) Um, And the studies show that our brain literally changes when we are practicing mindfulness. Um, We reduce the amygdala activation. So the kind of center for fear and um, kind of that stress response gets lowered when we practice mindfulness daily, when we practice it as a routine. Um, Our memory gets stronger. Our our ability to use our prefrontal cortex gets stronger. Um, so basically doing this mindfulness exercise, we call it a mindfulness practice because it's something we practice. We exercise our brain. We're strengthening our brain. We're growing our brain muscles um, <laughs> by doing repetitions. Just as if you want to get stronger muscles in the gym, you're going to do lots of reps of that specific exercise until the muscles grow. So and repetition, repetition. There you go. That's right. I've heard it on the podcast. On. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, and I appreciate you coming from a science background, sort of the explanations that you give and something that you've brought up on the podcast as an interest is um, the mind-body connection. You know, how there is that link. With the mindfulness practices that you've done, do you see... I mean, I think sometimes we do things like I see a physical impact on my students. You know, they sit taller, they, they walk with their head a little higher, those sorts of things. Have you seen that or do you do things the other way too, where you're doing some physical things, get up moving to tap into that? Yeah. So I love that you said this mind-body connection. I think one thing that I really learned a lot in my um, kind of training in yoga, in mindfulness, in different styles of meditation Um, we in the kind of Western world have this thought that our mind and body are separate. Um, and for myself with, I did a science degree, I did a biology degree. Um, everything gets so separated when we're studying the science of the body. We think of all of our organs as different things. We think of our systems as different things. Um, and so we're kind of trained into thinking that our body is like a collection of different parts that aren't always talking together. Mm -hmm. That isn't the case. Our body is 100% of the time talking to our brain and our brain is 100% of the time talking to our body. Our brain and body are never disconnected. (laughs) (laughs) So, and all of our organs are talking together. Like everything is always having a conversation. So if one thing is off, 
everything is off. It's this cascade effect. Um, so when we are activating our body in a certain way, it affects our mind. When we're activating our mind in a certain way, it affects our body. So the, the other thing that we kind of like to detach is emotions. Hmm. So emotions we think of as kind of like a fluffy thing, but really it's a very biological thing. So our emotions are a messenger that allows our brain and our body to communicate. So when we're having a thought about something, so say you wake up in the morning and you're going to have one of those days, you have a million things on your to-do list, report cards are due soon. You know, you have three different parents that you have to contact. Oh, and I can't forget to do this. And oh, and I can't remember at at lunch that I have this thing. And you you wake up and your brain starts going. Mm -hmm. Well, you aren't actually at school yet, but those thoughts about the things that are coming up are already creating the signal that your brain sends to your body that stress is coming. Prepare your body for action. So that's Mm -hmm. all that stress is, is it's just our brain telling our body time to prepare for action, um, (laughs) fight or flight. Like we've got something coming up. So it's just our emotions are a communication for our brain to be able to tell our body how it should act in any given situation. That's super important. Um, so that means when we're thinking a certain way, it affects how our body is feeling. So when we're doing a seated mindfulness practice, we are using our mind to observe, to pay attention to how our body is feeling in this present moment. So we might say something like, all right, bring your awareness into your feet. Notice how your feet are feeling right now. Now notice how your legs are feeling. Pay attention to how your belly's feeling. Notice your heart beating. Relax your shoulders. Notice how your entire body is feeling now. And so as we practice using our mind to notice and focus on the present moment, what our body is feeling right now, not what we're thinking about later, but what we're feeling right now, that automatically gets our body into what's true right now. Not my worries about what might happen later or replaying that scene that just happened before, but what is actually really happening right now. So when we use our mind to do that, our body is like, oh yeah, everything's good right now. Like I'm sitting, I'm safe all is well. There's no impending danger right now. Like all is good. So as we do that, our body relaxes because we're safe right now. Um, Now, sometimes it can be really hard to focus our thoughts, especially when we're feeling a big emotion because it's biological. The emotion is in our body. So we can also do the reverse and use our body to help calm our mind. So we can do something as simple as standing, like standing or sitting with our hands on our hips, with our uh, spine nice and tall, chin up, relax the shoulders away from the ears, literally just changing the way that you're sitting can affect how you think Hmm. and your mind space. 
So doing something like, you know, when you're feeling stressed and going for a walk, mm-hmm. you feel better after that because you are physically digesting that stress that you were feeling. You're getting your body to kind of process those emotions. Um, so in the Educom program, we have um, a lot of seated practices where you're just sitting still, going through a guided practice of noticing certain things, imagining certain things. Um, there's lots to choose from. We have a different practice for every day of the whole school year. So there's a lot there. Um, and then we also have um, mindful movement videos. So where you're moving your body with the intention to help get your body to help trigger your mind to calm down. Mm -hmm. So it's really great to use these two types of practices um, so that students can really learn to notice how their thoughts affect their body, but also how moving or stretching or standing up versus sitting down, how that can affect their thoughts and their feelings. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times when I'm podcasting, I actually stand up at my desk because it makes me feel more energetic. (laughs) So if I'm starting to feel tired, I stand up and I feel more energetic. So um, that connection is constant. It's 100% of the time. It isn't a question of if it's happening, the mind body is always connected. (laughs) (laughs) So we can use each of them as a tool to affect the other. Very good. And you had kind of talked about, I think sometimes people are unfamiliar come into the idea of mindfulness or social emotional learning, and they think it is a touchy feely thing, or just talking about emotions. But I've heard you talk about things like growth mindset and those sorts of things as well. And I think, you know, to me, it's sort of the opposite. We're learning how to deal with emotions because there is stress. There are difficult situations. We want to prepare our students for that instead of avoiding those things. So how is, how do you bring that into your mindfulness practice and the social emotional things that you do to help build that growth mindset? Yeah. So growth mindset, we love to talk about, we actually have two units in the Educom classroom program about growth mindset because it's such a important topic. Um, and it ties in so well with mindfulness, um, at the base of mindfulness, one of these big kind of, uh, I guess buckets or areas you can talk about with mindfulness is having this beginner mindset, um, of approaching things with curiosity and openness and really paying attention to the process and what you get to learn through the process of doing something rather than only focusing on the outcome. Um, because when we're just focusing on what we get at the end, um, we're rarely satisfied with that, right? It's never quite what we thought it would be. Either we don't perform as well as we wanted to, or we, um, perform well, but it doesn't give us the satisfaction we thought it would. Um, so this growth mindset piece is really about teaching our students that it's the process of learning that is important and not just the outcome. Um, So that's really something that you kind of just intrinsically learn as you're practicing mindfulness because mindfulness, there is no outcome. There's like no end point that you're striving for. It's not a sport that you're trying to be able to do that specific move. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, you know, even with reading, there's always levels, there's grades. We're so trained to think of like moving on to the next, next thing. But with Mm -hmm. mindfulness, it's all about just experiencing whatever you're doing with openness and curiosity and just seeing where that curiosity takes you. And that's something that I really hope to instill in my students. Um, It's something I talk about a lot because 
even things like what career do you want to have in life? Um, I luckily always knew I wanted to be a teacher. It was like something that was very clear to me, but my path didn't lead me on this straight arrow to becoming a teacher. Like I became a teacher and then discovered new passions and new curiosities. And then I followed those. And then I circled back to teaching again, (laughs) you know, it was, it wasn't what I expected. And so with our students, you know, the world is changing so fast. There's so many jobs that didn't exist before, and it's going to keep doing that. So what if instead of getting our students to aim for a specific outcome, we teach them to become aware of what they're curious about, what interests them, what excites them, and encourage them to enjoy the process of experiencing the the things that they're doing, enjoy the process rather than just aiming for an outcome. Mm -hmm. The learning and the growth happens in the process. The outcome really means nothing. It's all the hours that you take to get there. Um, So that's something that we like explicitly teach through two different units in the Educom classroom program. Um, But it's something that just kind of really get sprinkled, sprinkled throughout this growth mindset idea, different way of thinking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as we touched on, you know, kind of your experience with mindfulness, and then that leading to creating Educom or bringing in your classroom, you have a ton of great resources in the Educom program. How did that process go where you were deciding, okay, here's the specific things we actually wanted to do. Here's, I mean, you've built quite a a big thing. How did, (laughs) how did that go? Well, first off, it was a burning passion for myself and Josiane, um, who's my best friend and business partner and co-host of the Balance Educator podcast. We both just had experiences through teaching that led us to becoming really passionate about improving the mental health of students and teachers, like both. We recognize that there was such a connection between teacher burnout um, and like problems in the classroom that it was something that really had to be um, addressed together. Mm-hmm. And we just, as we were getting more interested in um, practicing mindfulness in our classroom with our students before we even had the idea of starting Educom, we just couldn't find resources that we liked. So we couldn't find anything like fit our style, fit kind of this routine that we wanted to create in the classroom, things that were ready to use. And also we both were in Canada. We teach in a French immersion school. So our students are uh, English speakers that learn and only speak French at school. Mm. Um, so there we're learning in these both languages. Um, so we needed something that was bilingual <laughs> and that like literally didn't exist. So our process was a seeing a need for ourselves and being like, well, if we have this need, there's definitely other teachers that have this need too. Mm. So we kind of started with this idea of, okay, well, what if we make like a ready to use resource that requires no prep, gives teachers everything they need so they don't have to be an expert first. So we started off with creating um, one unit and then we realized like, we wanted this to be something that teachers would be able to kind of log into the website and just be able to start their day with Educom 
every day for the full school year. So we started off with, a, I think we had three units and we started selling those as like one-offs and we sold them as like, like a digital file. I think we like emailed the digital <laughs> file to our first customers and luckily got great feedback. And so we kind of just like kept going and we really, really made a big point of asking for a lot of feedback from the teachers using our program. So as we were asking that feedback, like really in-depth feedback, we really started seeing trends of like what teachers really appreciated, what they wanted more of. Um, and that's really always been our process, figuring out what the teachers want, what we want for our own classrooms, <laughs> <laughs> making it. And then, um, and then, yeah, and here we are now with um, a full program that lasts for the whole school year. We're always adding more content based on what teachers are asking for. Um, and we just like love what we do so much. So it motivates us to keep going. Um, at this point, Josiane and I both um, teach half time and mm. then we run the business half time. Mm. So, and luckily we're just really lucky. Her and I have like opposing strengths. So we really <laughs> divide and conquer what we do in the business. And we're also very, um, organized with our tasks. Like efficiency mm. is top for us because as teachers, there's like a lot going on. So we've really yeah. created systems that allow us to, um, teach, run a business that we love and also like live a fulfilling personal life. That was really hard in the beginning, <laughs> finding that balance, but we're there now. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm also, I'm glad that you said that you're in Canada because that was my speculation when I was mm. um, first went on the website. I'm like, why is, why can this also be in French? You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, what's that all about? Yeah, We're hoping to eventually podcast and I'm hearing some of those long O's, you know, and I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm connecting the dots. I think this is in Canada. <laughs> a little bit of a Canadian accent. Sometimes we'll throw in a little bit of French when we're on the podcast. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, but, but yeah, you hit on a couple of things that I was kind of curious about is, is finding that balance. Cause that can be hard. Have you found now though, because I've kind of found with some of the other things that I've done, you know, writing and social emotional stuff outside of school, I do, you know, I was kind of worried about that taking time away from the stuff I was doing in education and, you know, my roles as a father and other things like that. But I found ultimately when I can balance the time, those things feed into like making me a better teacher making me a better parent, making me a better coach, all those things. Have you found that as well? 100%. Um, yeah, that's such a great point. It's so interesting how things kind of um, circle back because, I mean, first off, like my program is for, or our program is for the classroom. And like, we are constantly... Um, adding more and things like that based on our own experience in the classroom and based on the feedback we get from other teachers. Um, but because I also like, we have our podcast and I give a lot of presentations and do a lot of professional development workshops for schools. Um, so in my process of preparing for these things, I'm learning more. And so it's, yeah, it's really fueling my skills and my understanding of things. And I bring that back into the classroom. And interestingly enough, 
um, I now teach a business course. Mm. So it was so interesting to see that, like, you know, I was a teacher, started a business, so had to learn so much about how to start a business. I didn't know that. So Josiane and I were like spending so much time on professional development about how to run a business. Um, And so that seemed like two totally separate things, but then it all circled back when then I got asked to teach a business course, a grade 12 business course. (laughs) And I'm like, this is great. So yeah, it just kind of, if you keep, and that's why I really like to teach my students, like follow your interests and your curiosities because you never know what that's going to bring you. If you just go towards the things that, um, I don't necessarily want to say you're passionate about because like, sometimes you don't feel passionate about things, but I think we can all be curious about things and recognize where we like to spend our time and what, um, energizes us. Um, so yeah, I just focus on, um, making sure I'm learning the things that energize me and interest me. So it always feels like it's filling my tank, like my business endeavors, feel like they're filling me up, not draining me. As soon as it feels like it's draining me, I'm like, I need to do a shift here. Like I'm not on the right path anymore. I need to be moving more, spending more of my time on what is fulfilling me because that's the point, right? Right. Isn't that the point in life? Like to do the things that fulfill us? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. So if we're spending the time doing the things that fulfill us, then that just automatically spills over to everyone we interact with interact with, whether that be, you know, whoever's interacting with our business, our students, our colleagues, our friends. Um, so that, yeah, that's my main focus, like spend my time and energy on the things that fuel me and feel uplifting. Mm-hmm. Have you found that your students connect to that as well? Cause that was something, again, I, you know, I tried to be very separate about a lot of those things for a long time, whether it's, you know, like I have a book out, like those sorts of things. I'm like, well, I want to keep that very separate. But then I found like my kids connect with that and they think that's cool. They're like, Hey, like you have a, like a book, like a real book that like, you know, people can read. And like to them, it, it kind of shows them that like these other things are possible if you want to do that. Have you found that as well? Absolutely. I think it's so like enriching for our students to see and learn about how we spend our time because it, it's a model for them that like, Oh, that's an option for me. If you're doing it, that could be something that I do too. What you wrote an actual book. That's something that real people do. Now I know someone that's written a book. That's an option for me too. I've had lots of like colleagues and friends actually come up to me and be like, I never thought starting a business could be an option for me until I saw you do it and realized, oh yeah, normal people can start businesses. (laughs) So I think it's so important. Like, oh yeah, normal people practice mindfulness or like someone I know practices mindfulness. It makes having different interests and being a complex person possible. And I think that's something that like, especially for middle school, high school students um, with social media, they're so used to seeing people like, branded right so like they only show one facet of who they are as a human online and all the other things are hidden and it kind of tricks you into thinking that like people are just a one faceted thing and are only interested in one thing Mm -hmm. so I think when we can be open with our students about just like all of the different things that we do with our time and what interests us and what we're passionate or curious about. Um, it like allows them to recognize that they don't have to just be an expert at one thing. They can like have lots of different interests and passions and your life doesn't have to have just like one straight and narrow path. It can veer and twist and turn and that's the fun of it. So. Absolutely. So I want to at least, can I 
you know, direct people to it. We'll, we'll link Educom and all that stuff to these things we post too. But, you know, I would recommend for anyone listening to this, check out the podcast, the Balanced Educator podcast. You guys hit on a lot of great topics there. And, and I would say, I mean, they're great to listen to chronologically, but you don't have to either. I mean, they're, <laughs> you know, by topic, I think that's great. And then um, you guys do the, the free trial of Educom. Yes. And I would say that's a great place to start for anyone who's even just wondering about mindfulness. So with that, I would recommend anybody check that out. Even if you're not a teacher, I think it's a great thing for parents, anybody interested in it. But what would you say as advice to anyone who's like, okay, I want to start exploring this for my classroom, for my life. Where's a good place to start? I would say um, start with our website because all of our stuff is linked to our website. So educalm.com. So that's spelled E-D-U-C-A-L-M-E. Calm is spelled the French way. (laughs) I put that together too. It took me a minute because I'm like, educal, why is there an E? And then I'm the French. Educalm. Get in, figure out this puzzle. (laughs) <laughs> it's all making sense now. Yeah. So in yeah. French, it's educalm. So <laughs> that's why there's an E at the end. Um, but yeah, it's pronounced educom. Um, so yeah, start at the website. Um, I think it really helps to just kind of like read through our website. It, I think we do a decent enough job explaining kind of what mindfulness is, what the program is. Um, and then if you are a person that like naturally likes to learn things before you dive in, listen to the podcast. Like you said, we have, um, now we're at hundred and almost 140 episodes. Like there's a lot of free content there, um, that you can use for personal development and professional development. So if you're some, if you're like, you know, I'm curious about this for myself, not ready to get into the classroom with it yet. Um, then listen to our episodes that are more based on, um, self-awareness, mindfulness, well-being for teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once you're ready to start bringing this into the classroom, if again, if you're a person that kind of likes to learn first, um, listen to the podcast, lots of information there on how to start doing this in the classroom. Um, we get a lot of feedback from people that really like listening to our episodes where we interview teachers that use our program Mm -hmm. and they explain how they do it in their classroom. Cause that can really help you to like start visualizing how this can look for you. Um, but if you aren't a big podcast person, you're like, I just want to dive right in, sign up for the free trial that gives you access to the first unit of our program plus training on how to use our program. Mm. So when you sign up for the free trial, there's a video that you can watch. that will explain exactly how to use the resources. There's basically like anything you could need to get started Mm. as a teacher and then the resources to use with your students in the classroom. So you're going to get audios in there, um, which are kind of those, like I said, daily five minute audios that you listen to with your students. But then we also have lesson plans, um, student reflection booklets, activities, posters. Um, So there's a lot to like support the practice if you want to bring it into other things that you do in the classroom. If you, you know, teach languages or health class or social emotional learning, um, those are all things that are like ready to use that you can um, tie to the audios that you're listening to. Mm -hmm. Um, And that free trial never expires. So if you're like, you know, I don't need to do this or I don't want to do it every single day, that free trial might be more than enough for you to get started and like have all the resources that you need. Um, But if you're like, I want to dive 
all the way in, like I am jumping into feet, um, then you might want to sign up for a membership, which is going to give you, um, a full year of ready to use mindfulness resources, um, that touch on lots of different themes. There's, um, you know, emotions, self-awareness, self-confidence, mindful movement, growth mindset, um, lots of different, um, things that we touch on and, it's for kindergarten all the way to grade 12. So yeah. any age group can get him use it. So simple. <laughs> that was kind of like, we have like a tiered approach, you know, it's yeah. like, if you're just a beginner, start with the podcast. If you're ready to dive in, start do the free trial. Then if you're liking that, then you can buy the, the membership. <laughs> oh, I think that's great. And that's, yeah, not only for people going into it, but like you said, I think it's so nice. It's K through 12. It's very articulated that you can start the foundation of these things with students when they're young and build on it all the way through. And it's the same for anybody interested in using it. And, and I will say just after going through it, it's, it's ready to go. I mean, I think sometimes teachers are hesitant of like, well, what am I going to have to adapt to my classroom? And I would say the resources are there. There's the checklist, there's visuals there. I mean, it's, I'd say you could roll it out and, and be going pretty immediately in a classroom. Yeah. And that, I love hearing that feedback because that's really what we're aiming for. Cause I think the biggest hurdle for teachers starting out is um, we're really used to having these types of resources created by people that aren't actually teachers um, there's a lot of these mindfulness programs and stuff that just, they're, they're great, but they require a lot of work and lesson planning and preparation and learning on the teacher's end. And I think that's where, um, like that's the biggest hurdle for a lot of teachers of why they don't do this in the classroom. So that was a really huge goal. The main point of our program is to remove those hurdles completely. Like you can literally sign into the free trial and get started immediately if you want. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like really ready to go, just sign in. And also like there's lots of stuff in there so you can, you don't have to use it all. <laughs> it's kind of like a smorgasbord, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like a buffet, you know, the audios are the, the main thing. And then there's all sorts of additional things that can support you um, and allow you to bring it into other areas that you teach, but they're absolutely not necessary. You get to use what you want to use. And you can go back for seconds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing you hit on. You know, I'm always, I suppose it's a bias on my part, but sometimes through some of these things I do, you'd find these other, you know, programs, some, but they're not, they're not written by teachers. It's created by some other organization. And if you've worked in education for a while, we know all these government mandates and things that we get that aren't made by education people. And I'm always kind of biased against it. They're like, well, you, you don't teach your hands, not in the dirt. You don't know what's going on. So this, your program feels, you can tell it's created by teachers. It's for teachers and for students. I think that's evident. Um, where would you like to see Educalm go from here? A really good question. Um, we want to just keep supporting our teachers and learners um, and kind of keep our finger on the pulse of what's needed in education. So for example, like last year when um, we were, everyone was doing remote learning, we created resources to support teachers in using our program through re remote learning. So that was really important to us. Um, so yeah, moving forward, we really are always focused on 
the teachers, what do they need? What are they asking for? What's missing right now? What, what can, what are they having a hard time finding that we can make their lives easier? Like really our number one mission is like make teachers lives easier, (laughs) (laughs) make wellness easy for the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, We do hope to eventually translate our program to Spanish as well, because we've had a few um, American teachers ask us because they're (laughs) kind of down here. Yeah, exactly. A lot more (laughs) Spanish where you're at. So hopefully that's something that we can do in the future. But um, yeah, for now, we're just getting teachers the resources that they need to make social emotional learning and well-being in the classroom easy, removing those hurdles. Well, that's exciting. This has been a lot of fun, I guess. Um, is there anything else that you want to mention? Like I said, we will kind of link everything on my website and all the streaming stuff so people can connect to that. But I think, you know, this has been awesome. I appreciate talking to you. Anything else that you want to share or add? Um, I think I would just say, like, if people have questions, don't hesitate to send us a message. Like, we are two teachers behind this program. I think sometimes, you know, you see a website online, you're like, oh, this looks professional. There's probably like, you know, this big team behind it. Like it's myself and Josiane right now. Um, So when you send an email, we are the ones answering. So Mm -hmm. we love answering your questions. If you, you know, sign up for the free trial and something for some reason isn't clear or you just, you know, have that, this burning question, just shoot us an email. We are there to answer. We are here to support you. We love coaching other teachers. Um, so don't hesitate to, to connect with us. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can attest to that as I think we maybe initially I emailed you probably like five, six months ago. I'm always yeah. coaching. It was kind of figuring out when schedules will work. So uh, yeah emailed back and forth several times. I can attest to that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, well, Kaylee, thank you very much. This was awesome. I really appreciate all the information and thank you. Thanks so much for having me.